1: no such thing as questions, just hidden answers. Stay tuned to PH Murder Stories as we revisit the inconceivable crimes that exist. Some listeners may find the following content of PH Murder Stories highly disturbing due to its graphic nature. PH Murder Stories does not condone nor promote violence of all sorts. Listener discretion is advised.
0: Do you ever recall in your age I ever hit your mother? Not anymore. It's been for It's always my mom who's attacking my dad. One thing that I also regret is, like I told you before, losing my wife because ang hirap, she had a problem, and I was in the limelight. She would make stories, all of these things, and it would be difficult for me because media would be there and everything. So it was already a tough uh, act for me to do. Uh, my personal problems, my marital problems, and the- then by media, and Maria would have a forum or medium to tell all the stories, then later she would change her story and everything.
1: In 2001, a Filipino-American actress was found dead with her skull bashed on the third floor of a 24-story apartment building. According to initial reports, She committed suicide by jumping from her penthouse on the 23rd floor of the Platinum 2000 apartment building along Annapolis Street in Green Hills, San Juan. The victim's house helper, who found the lifeless body, had revealed vital information that could make us all think that her employer's death might not be suicide. Maria Teresa Carlson was a Filipino-American actress and beauty pageant contestant. On October 15, 1963, she was born in Manila, but her family moved to San Francisco, California, where she spent the early years of her life. Maria was 16 years old when she came back to the Philippines with her family. Her mother was from Nueva Ecija, while her father was from California. Maria decided to remain in the Philippines as she had always dreamt of becoming a beauty queen and representing her country someday. In 1979, she won Miss Young Philippines and represented the Miss Young International Pageant in Tokyo. Her pageantry experience had led the country's entertainment industry to offer her spots in various shows immediately. They viewed her as witty, pretty, Playful and articulate. Maria was best known for her role in the weekly hour-long sitcom Chicks to Chicks. Producers cast her as a lovely dumb damsel in distress. The show was quite successful. Male viewers found it funny. But women felt offended. She was one of the first Filipino-Americans who made something out of her broken Tagalog that has put many smiles on Filipinos. and an Americanized accent became her catchphrase to popularity. Later on, movie producers came knocking on her door. Maria made seven films, including comedies with Augusto Valdez Pangan, or famously known as Chiquito, and Tito, Vic, and Joey's famous trio. In 1982, at the young age of 19, Maria met Rodolfo Rudy Farinas, who was 32 years old at the time. Rudy Fariñas was then the newly elected mayor of Lawag City. He was a fast-rising political star who wanted to win Maria's heart. A Manila-based magazine called him a dashing bachelor and flamboyant playboy. Although Rudy Fariñas already had two children from a previous relationship with Janet Murph, namely Rika Camille, and Ray Carlos. Rudy also had a relationship with bold actress Vivian Velez, the daughter of celebrity Lilian Velez, who was slain in the 1940s. While Rudy was studying in Ateneo Law School, he had a reputation for being a bad boy. According to a Rappler article, Rudy was cutting classes beyond the school's allowable number of absences, Despite his reputation, the school would find ways to keep him around, as he was always getting the highest grades in his class. Moreover, the distraction to Rudy came from his love interest at the time, Vivian Velez. He would bring her to class to please his colleagues and to distract his teachers. Unfortunately for Rudy, his relationship with Vivian might have haunted him as there were rumors before that both of them had a sex scandal. Particularly, a Betamax tape showing their sensational affair in bed. Meanwhile, Maria's Chicks to Chicks co-star, Freddie Webb, introduced them to each other. Freddie recalls, quote, It was by accident. We were going to play basketball in Lawag. I called up Maria and asked her if she wanted to watch. She wasn't doing anything, so she agreed. Maria fell in love with Rudy and agreed to stay in Rudy's hometown, where she lived in his home. They eventually got married in Las Vegas and remarried in the Lawag Church. In the next several elections, Rudy utilized Maria's celebrity status as his campaign booster. He called her Whitey before the Ilocanos, as they were charmed by her beauty. Besides two marriages, both also had six children, one girl and five boys. Ria Cristina, born 1984, Ryan Christopher, Rudy Caesar I, Rudy Caesar II, Rodolfo Jr., and Rodolfo III. In an interview with the Manila Times, Maria said that she fell for Rudy because of his name position, and connections, but she insisted he was more than those things. Quote, he had a great personality, he was down to earth, he is a good person, smart, intelligent, he was not corrupt like most politicians you see now, he was a perfect gentleman, unquote. However, their marriage had looming problems that were finally unraveled in 1996. A handwritten letter was addressed to then-Senator Leticia Ramos Shahani. The senator was a known Farina supporter. In the letter, Maria narrated that she wanted to leave the marriage because her husband had been beating her up. She said she was beaten black and blue and subjected to water torture. She requested that she be taken away from her husband as a postscript. Maria had attached her thumb marks to assure the senator that the letter was not a hoax. When news broke out about Maria's marital problems with Rudy, the media quickly began to explore deeper into her troubles. In a probe interview in October 1996, Maria, who was pregnant with her sixth baby at the time, narrated, At the start, There would be occasional slapping on the face, physical abuse, beatings. He will box you all over. I was subjected to water torture. I had a gun at me in my mouth, a wet towel all over my face. Then they would pour Sprite, 7-Up, or continuous water. I do not wish to embarrass him. I do not want to humiliate him. I'm not just out for any money. I'm even willing to give up everything. I just want my freedom and my independence. I want my annulment. And I want what's due to me as my constitutional rights as a Filipino. Prior to her shocking 1996 interview, Maria had cried out many times for help. In a 1988 interview, she slipped a note to reporter Nini Valera that said, Please help me. I am literally being tortured. Valera was interviewing Maria in the Farinas residence in Ilocosur. Maria told the reporter that her husband was not far away in the same room, cleaning his gun. Near the end of the interview, when Rudy Farinas left for a few minutes, Valera noticed that Maria had been dabbing powder to cover cigarette burns on her chin. In 1992, Maria got in touch with the Kalakasan Hotline, an NGO for women in distress. Ana Sarabia said, quote, Sa umpisa, saglit-saglit lang yan. At saka walang pangalan. Umiiyak. Hindi namin alam kung sino. Unquote. Three years later, Maria was able to identify herself. Sarabia said, quote, Pero tatawag siya, saglit-saglit lang. Siguro one minute, two minutes, tapos ibababa yung phone. Kaso sabi niya, they're watching me. Tapos, pag wala nang tao, tatawag ulit. Unquote. A week after Maria's controversial interview with the probe, she went back to her husband in a confusing turn of events that made the followers of her tragic story dumbfounded. It led to an article made by the Cosmopolitan magazine, dubbed Cry for Help, that read With no money, no government protection, but only a baby begging to be delivered, Maria was left with no choice but to return to her husband. She gave birth to her sixth child, a baby boy. It was also her birthday. She was 34. The confusion started when Maria appeared on Magandang Gabi Bayan, a night show with Noli de Castro as its host. Surprisingly, Maria was accompanied by her husband and took back everything she said that incriminated her husband as a villain. She also stated that she was just feeling insecure. Quote, "Baka dal buntes po ako, hindi ako maganda sa kanya, puru motherhood, puru housewife na lang." Unquote. Meanwhile, Farinas also addressed the public. He said, quote, "The media violated our rights as husband and wife." Unquote. He also accused Probe of messing up their lives, interfering in an insignificant marital quarrel. He also said, "Sangkana man nakita ng tampuhan lang ng mag-asawa, flash mo sa TV." Unquote. On the contrary, human rights activist and lawyer Evelyn Ursua denied that it was just a mere husband-and-wife fight. According to her, the abuse did not necessarily stop when she got pregnant, but they were lessened. Ursua used to be with Carlson in 1996 when a women's group rescued her after deciding to leave Fariñas. She was nine months pregnant then but because she had insisted on giving birth at the same hospital where she delivered her other children. Farinhas was able to find her. By the time a special police team arrived to protect her, she and Fariñas had reportedly reconciled, Ursula added. In an article, reporter Marites Sison also said that Carlson wanted to get pregnant each year. Not because she wanted to have many kids, but because she thought pregnancy was her defense against physical abuse. In fact, then-Vice Governor Rolando Abadilla and then-Defense Minister Juan Ponce Enrile were also able to see the actual physical abuses of Fariñas to Carlson. In a public report in 1988, Abadilla narrated how Fariñas manhandles his wife right at the provincial capital. Incidentally, Enrile also saw Fariñas strangling his wife. The high-ranking official was not noticed by the couple. Apparently, Fariñas was mad at Abadilla for persuading Enrile not to attend a fiesta venue in February that year. Enrile just left and proceeded to Fort Ilocanja Resort Hotel. Fariñas was supposed to host the said event, but he chose to beat his wife instead. But physical hurting was not the issue alone. Farinas was a suspected drug user, so he, allegedly, also forced Carlson to use illegal substances and even let his bodyguards molest his wife. Rodolfo Farinas was a promising politician during his prime. He placed eighth in the 1978 bar exam and one of the only law graduates from his law school who made it to the top ten during his batch. At age 28, Fariñas became the youngest mayor of Lawag City for six years, the northwesternmost urbanity on the island of Luzon. He was a provincial governor for ten years and congressman for one term afterward. He was even likened to his province mate, the late president Ferdinand Marcos. Fariñas relished the thought of repeating the prominent chief executive's pathway. A bright Ilocano lawyer who had shaken the country's political landscape at a very young age. But this momentum eventually fell down. Fariñas literally lost everything in succession. In 1998, his father died. The following year, he lost his brother. In 2001, he lost his congressional seat of the 1st District of Ilocos Norte to veteran lawmaker Rokito Ablan Jr. Still, Never had he thought that another misfortune will make him rest in the political scene for a long time. On November 23, 2001, Carlson and her maid, Rochelle Flores, went to Malacanang to get in touch with then-President Gloria Arroyo for a videotape that she wants to hand, containing her clips of her husband hurting one of their children, who was also believed as the godson of the lady chief executive, but no videotapes reached the leader. A member of the presidential security group referred her to the PSG headquarters. Unfortunately, she was not able to reach the area. When their taxi reached gate 7 of the executive palace, the presidential guards barred them and asked the driver to turn back. Carlson then proceeded to Malakanyang Park to speak with any responsible official who could relay her problem. Sadly, no one listened. Upon reaching their home, the former sitcom star was restless, locking up the windows and doors because apparently someone was out to kill them. She then ran out of the room, and the maid took the elevator after calling the building security. Flores met a guard and took a lift to the rooftop. They both looked for Carlson but failed to find her there. When they were on their way down, the companion guard received an order to check the third floor after residents heard a loud thud from a fallen object. Maria Teresa plunged from her unit on the 23rd floor of Platinum 2000 apartment building in Green Hills, San Juan. When her maid and the security guard found her body, she was sprawled lifeless on the condominium's third floor, and her skull was split in half at two o'clock in the morning. According to Chief Superintendent Jose Marlo Padragosa, chief of the Philippine National Police Crime Laboratory, aside from Carlson's split skull, her body was also fractured. Her extremities were shattered. Dr. Maria Cristina Freira, PNP Medico Legal officer, also found that Carlson's lungs, heart, liver, right kidney, spleen, tongue, and eyeballs were also lacerated, and she had bruises all over her body. Initially, people suspected foul play, but the local police said there was no indication of any suspicious doing at the scene and announced it a suicide. On the very same day, her remains were sent to Ilocos Norte, in Fariñas' hometown. It was an afternoon when Lawag Mayor Rogelio Fariñas, Rodolfo's younger brother, accompanied the remains. Rodolfo was in Lawag when Carlson jumped from her apartment. In an interview a decade and a half after the incident, Fariñas said, that a month before the alleged suicide his wife left him with their children on a trip to China. That was the last time they saw her. In another interview weeks after the tragedy, he said I loved being with her. We enjoyed the same kind of things. It's fine with her that she would be the butt of my jokes. And I really appreciated the fact that she cared about two children from another woman. After Carlson's death, Task Force Maria was formed, consisting of 23 women and people's groups that condemned the Commission on Human Rights after Maria Teresa approached the agency for help. TFM and CHR then lobbied heavily to have a law passed in Congress. On March 8, 2004, Republic Act 9262, or Anti-Violence Against Women and Children's Act, was signed by then-president, Gloria Macapagal-Arroyo. Ironically, a lady chief executive who failed to get the videotape that allegedly contained clips of Teresa Carlson's abuse could sign pro-women legislation on International Women's Day. Many children and women can now seek protection from the clutches of abusive relationships in whatever form. It's just sad that Maria Teresa had to die before such a law could be enacted. For Fariñas, he devoted his whole time being a single parent. In 2007, he ran for governor against late President Marcos' nephew, Michael Keon, but lost. The next election, he regained his former congressional seat after joining forces with the Marcoses to defeat Keon and Ablan. After winning the poll, Farinas got his limelight by leading the prosecution in the impeachment trial of former ombudsman Merceditas Gutierrez and former Chief Justice Renato Corona. He also became the majority leader of the House of Representatives for two years. But this spotlight was shortened after he withdrew his candidacy for governor in a supposed fight with the Marcoses and finally retired from politics. Meanwhile. Three of Maria Teresa's six children followed their father's footsteps. Ria Cristina, the eldest, who succeeded her father, being a representative of the 1st District of Ilocos Norte. Rudy Caesar, who is presently taking a congressional seat for Provenciano Aco party list. And Rodolfo Christian, who is currently a provincial board member of Ilocos Norte. On November 15, 2015, one of Rodolfo's sons already joined the creator and his mother. His namesake, Rodolfo Jr., died in a road accident after his BMW bike hit a concrete barrier, avoiding a truck on the highway. He was brought to the Lawag City Provincial Hospital but declared dead on arrival. While writing this story, we were left wondering whether Maria was coerced into denying the allegations she put forward against her powerful husband during the controversial interview in 1996. What version of Maria should we believe? The one that went on live television alone, seemingly like a damsel in distress? Or the one accompanied by her husband that ferociously defended themselves from the negative media attention that their so-called marital quarrel had caused. Assuming that Maria's alleged videotape of her husband beating up one of their children was seen by then-President Gloria Arroyo, would Maria still be alive today? Unfortunately, we might never know the real reason behind Maria Teresa Carlson's tragic death. Was she pushed to her death? Or did she jump from the 23rd floor of her penthouse because there was no one that could help her anymore? We let you decide on that. Stay tuned in our upcoming episode as we revisit the story of a Spanish surfer residing in Chargao who was gunned down due to illegal drugs. However, Spanish news reports suggests that there was a deeper reason behind his death. For further updates, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at PH Murder Stories, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, PH Murder Stories. If you have case suggestions, please go to our website, at phmurderstories.com, and fill out the request form at File Your Blotter. Did you like this episode? Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening in other platforms, Kindly send us a review on our Facebook page or send us a tweet. You can also share our podcast to your Instagram and Facebook stories through Spotify. Your support would significantly benefit PH Murder Stories to produce more quality content. We're also inviting you to join our Facebook group, PH Murder Stories The Verdict, and participate in our bi-weekly discourse about true crime both local and international. This group is a safe space for true crime and mystery fans like us who want to engage in thorough discussions about the subject. See you there, suspects. The verdict is in your hands. See you there.
0: One of the most gruesome murders towards an overseas Filipino worker happened in 2016 when authorities from Kuwait discovered the body of a missing Filipina placed in a freezer at an abandoned apartment. The gruesome discovery of her remains sent shockwaves across the OFW community. In 2007, a young mother fighting for custody of her two daughters suddenly disappeared. Two years later, she was found cemented inside a drum, dumped in the waters of Navota City, Metro Manila. After a valid testimony of a disgruntled witness who later on recanted his story and became missing up to this date. At midnight of July 18, 2002, a 32-year-old British businessman was found murdered at his apartment in Makati City, Metro Manila. For years, the case would go unsolved while his mother battled to piece together the clues of his death. Want to hear the rest of these sensational true crime stories? Subscribe as a Prime Suspect at our Patreon page and get one bonus exclusive case every month for only $5. Patreon is a way to join your favorite creators community and pay them for making the stuff you love. You can now pay a few bucks per month or per post that the creator makes. For more updates, please visit our website at phmurderstories.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, PHMurder Stories, and follow our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at phmurderstories.